Lord of the Five Rings, the Olympics are back in Beijing. Let the propaganda games begin. India deploys its anti-terrorism laws to tighten its stranglehold on journalism in Kashmir. Plus, France and a far-right journalist turned presidential contender. Eric Zemmour and the TV channel behind his rise. Hello, I'm Richard Gisbert, and you're at The Listening Post, where we examine the media and look at how news is reported. The torch relay came to an end in Beijing last week with the lighting of the Olympic cauldron and the start of the 2022 Winter Games. Athletes from more than 90 countries are competing in a bubble organizers designed to be COVID-proof. China is putting on a show for the world, flexing some economic superpower muscle, showcasing the benefits of its zero COVID strategy. And according to its critics, it's doing a little sports washing. It's using the Olympics to cleanse itself of its record on human rights in Xinjiang, its indefensible treatment of Uyghur Muslims there, as well as on its shrinking freedom of the press, starting with what's become of journalism in Hong Kong. The United States and some of its allies have left their diplomats at home through a half-hearted boycott of sorts, but they couldn't quite bring themselves to order their athletes to skip an event like the Olympics. Our starting point this week is the bubble in Beijing, the one that also houses foreign journalists and keeps them contained. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the athletes. We know that the 2022 Winter Olympics are now officially underway in Beijing. With the politically charged opening of the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Wherever the Olympics go, geopolitics follow. States and other nations are staging a diplomatic boycott of the event in protest at China's human rights record. Narratives compete along with the athletes. Chinese capital is the first city to host both the summer and winter games. Put the winter games in Beijing though, about a thousand kilometers from where the first COVID cases were detected in Wuhan, while in Xinjiang, China incarcerates hundreds of thousands of Uyghur Muslims, reprogramming them and the stage is set for opening ceremonies designed to send the world a message. Hosting sports mega events and winning gold medals on the international um, stage is a part of China's soft power strategy to improve China's image in the world. And ceremonies are actually very political events. It's um, politics presented as art. Everything that we saw was imbued with symbolism and with meaning the final torchbearers, a Uyghur from Xinjiang, and a majority ethnic Han Chinese bearing the torch with her, sending a message of ethnic harmony, a very uh, touchy subject for China. It was an attempt by Beijing to say, well, if you're gonna make an issue of this, we're not gonna back down. This is a different China to the one that hosted the Summer Olympics in 2008. Back then, the human rights violations making headlines focused on the ethnic conflict over Tibet. Now it's Xinjiang and Beijing's treatment of Muslims there. In 2008, China had the world's third largest economy. It is now second only to the US at approximately 15% of global GDP. Back then, under President Hu Jintao, China was experimenting, allowing more journalistic freedom and foreign reporters covering the games were able to do stories that now 
Under Xi Jinping, they cannot. They're free to do what they like in the Olympic bubble, but that's it. And the restrictions have as much to do with politics as they do with the pandemic. In 2008, media freedom for foreign journalists was actually one of the accomplishments of those games because a special law was enacted before the games and it continued for years afterwards. And foreign journalists had complete freedom to report even if they were going into sensitive areas. So there was a kind of media bubble in 2008 as well for foreign journalists because this freedom didn't apply to Chinese journalists. The space for reporting and the people who do this kind of reporting has gone. The restrictions, the tightening control of the media definitely reflects what Xi Jinping is thinking. In 2008, China still wants to seek approval from the international community. However, in 2020, Xi Jinping really doesn't care what the international community thinks about China and doesn't feel the need to give space to the media for reporting. The mystery virus started here in the city of Wuhan. From the earliest days of the pandemic, China has been trying to shift the COVID-19 narrative away from Wuhan, where the virus apparently got its start and for which China has taken hits in news dispatches from around the world. But if the early cover-up and mishandling at the local level was in fact known by top officials, their delayed action might overshadow the massive containment effort that China so proudly promotes. Beijing prefers to focus on how it has managed to contain COVID domestically. Many believe China's zero-COVID approach has borne fruit as cases in Xi'an begin to drop. The restrictions imposed by President Xi Jinping's communist government have been far tougher than most democracies and their voters would tolerate. But the results that China has reported, infection rates and casualty figures that are a fraction of other countries, now allow for at least some fans in stadiums, just seven months after the summer games in Tokyo went completely spectator-less. Western media outlets tend to downplay those Chinese success stories, focusing instead on the loss of individual freedoms there. While China enjoys a low infection rate, it's really the individuals here who suffer. Which is one of the reasons Beijing has invested so heavily in English-language news channels like CGTN. When the U.S. media criticized the Chinese zero COVID-19 policy. They would focus on the negative impact on, on people. When it comes to the uh, protection of human rights, there is a loss of lives of 900,000 so far in the United States. That's a human rights issue, the right to life. Since Trump came to power, it's really about uh, keeping China down. If we don't make a deal with China, I'll just raise the tariffs even higher. He launched this trade war against China, tech war against China, imposed visa restrictions on Chinese journalists. Biden adopted the Trump-China policy without much changes. And we see these two nations being decoupled, unfortunately. And then that's reflected in the U.S. media. It's easy to see why in the English language media there would be a, a, a general uh, portrayal of the Chinese effort to control COVID as an authoritarian crackdown, because even within the domestic politics in the U.S., the measures have become so politicized. That said, there is a significant number of people in the U.S. who uh, look at our death rate and feel that our governments have not done enough, so it, there's not exactly a unified opinion on that. China has 
um, had uh, an approach that um, you know, while totally different from the West, has its own merit. We've seen it in the economic numbers. China has helped lift the global economy and prevented a much worse downturn from happening. Whether or not this is ultimately the right approach, history is probably still being written on this because COVID's not over yet. But it is our job to ask questions about what are the costs and benefits of these approaches. And that's what we're trying to do here in China, is to tell the story of how China's going. On COVID and other multilateral issues, China has grown far more aggressive in sending its message out and stopping foreign voices from penetrating its news and information space. For years, Western social media platforms the government cannot control, like Twitter and Facebook, have been banned, replaced by Chinese platforms like WeChat and Weibo that Beijing can control. Government officials and state media are the exceptions. They are free to tweet and post to counter Western talking points, and their Twitter game is pretty good. But they have yet to come up with a tweet that can defend China's policies in Xinjiang, where up to a million Uyghurs and other Muslims have been forced into indoctrination camps. Human rights organizations use terms like crimes against humanity to describe the indoctrination program while CGTN anchorman Chu Chindwo prefers to call it holistic. I call it a TCM approach, a traditional Chinese medicine approach, being holistic. So that's a education and training center. Uh, you want to de-radicalize the minds of the young people, and then they need to understand the basics of law, what is right, what is wrong. One million Turkic Muslims are being imprisoned in political re-education camps in Xinjiang. They are mass surveillance, forced sterilization, family separation, forced labor. And in Hong Kong, there have been dramatic crackdowns on freedoms in the city. So every aspect of human rights in China has gone worse. At the same time, the Chinese government has gone so much more confident about its own political system, its own governance model. That is the Chinese approach. This is a holistic approach, and it proved to be very successful over the past five, six years. And that is the other side of China's Olympic story, the one where much of the initial evidence of what was taking place had to come from space satellite pictures because foreign reporters were locked out of Xinjiang for so long, where human rights abuses are now described as holistic by journalists working under a government that makes a habit of the propagandistic in Beijing. In Indian-administered Kashmir, the arrest of a journalist, another one under terrorism and sedition charges, is the latest development in an escalating war on journalism. Meenakshi Ravi is here with more. Richard, as we've reported before, journalists in Indian-administered Kashmir are routinely investigated, interrogated, raided, and often arrested. But this particular case has sent shockwaves through the media community there and attracted global attention. Fahad Shah is the editor of Kashmirwala, a widely read news website. Police accuse him of, quote, uploading anti-national content, frequently glorifying terrorism, spreading fake news and instigating people. Kashmir police have questioned Shah many times before about the reporting in the Kashmirwala, much of which covers human rights abuses, including those committed by the Indian authorities. 
Shah, who also writes for foreign publications, is being held under an anti-terrorism law. If he's found guilty, he could be sentenced to between a minimum of five years to a maximum of life in jail. Journalists in Kashmir have been up against it for years. Between the Indian authorities and the separatist groups, the room for reporting keeps shrinking. Just last month, one of the Kashmirwala's staff writers, Sajad Gul, was arrested. He's in jail awaiting trial. A couple of weeks later, the Kashmir Press Club was shut down after it was stormed by a pro-government group of journalists backed by police and Indian paramilitary forces. The Editors Guild of India is based in New Delhi. It says of Fahad Shah's arrest and the intense pressure on journalism in Kashmir that the Indian government must respect democratic values and stop the harassment of journalists in the name of national security. Thanks, Meera. With round one of France's presidential election less than two months away, one candidate who made his name as a journalist is attracting plenty of coverage. Eric Zamour is a veteran, far-right polemicist, whose hostility towards ethnic minorities, primarily Muslims, has already earned him three convictions for hate speech. And yet, just months after moving into politics, the polls suggest that Zamour is one of the primary challengers to President Emmanuel Macron. He owes much of that popularity to CNews, a right-wing channel that has provided him with a platform for his views. CNews is France's second most watched news channel and, despite having broadcast regulators on its case, seems to be having an agenda-setting impact on politics there. The Listening Post's Daniel Toury now on the role the French media have played in the rise of Eric Zemmour. On a l'impression de vivre un peu maintenant à l'époque de Trump avec le pays qui est fracturé en deux et les médias sont très très responsables de ça. Je pense que du bien de CNews parce qu'à la base c'est le groupe Canal+ qui a changé la vie de la télévision en France. Les quartiers, attends, attends, attends. des quartiers Maintenant, j'ai un truc à dire Zemmour si tu vois la vidéo, s'il te plaît, te renie pas la face. Vole pas toi la face, tu manques de respect à la religion musulmane. Tu manques de respect à tout le monde. It started before Eric Zemmour was even a candidate. Eric Zemmour gagne du terrain dans les sondages. Opinion polls showed support for the journalist skyrocketing, and media pundits hyped up his rise. Eric Zemmour en position de se qualifier au second tour de la présidentielle. And while his numbers have fallen off slightly, Zemmour's penchant for offending has kept the media spotlight in place. L'islam est Rhetoric of the kind that just last month earned him his third conviction for hate speech. He really is someone whose stature relies on quite significant complicity from the media. Because he started saying racist things very early on in his public appearances, it didn't raise any flags about the fact we should be careful in promoting this kind of character. The problem at the moment is that any provocation he makes, any racist, sexist or homophobic comment, becomes a national debate. He is the one setting the tone of the political debate in France. Zemmour's public profile has been decades in the making, and the French media have been central to his rise. He made his name in the 1990s as a political journalist with the right-wing daily Le Figaro, then became a television pundit. 
It was in that role in 2011 that Zemmour was first convicted and fined for hate speech, after he claimed on air that most drug dealers were black or Arab. In 2018, he was convicted again, this time for saying that France had been, quote, invaded by Muslims. Bonsoir à tous, une heure de débat entre Eric Zemmour, Bernard-Henri Lévy. Despite those offences, in 2019, Zemmour landed his most prominent platform yet at CNews, a channel that had recently undergone a radical makeover under its owner, conservative billionaire Vincent Bolloré. CNews isn't exactly like any other channel. In France's media regulations, there is a strong principle of internal pluralism, whereby different editorial perspectives are represented within a single news outlet. The particularity of CNews is that it's a more politically slanted channel, slanted to the right. Plus de la moitié d'entre vous pensent que l'islamo-gauchisme est une réalité à l'université. C'est le résultat de notre sondage exclusif. And it has an editorial line that didn't really exist before in French television. And that's what has made CNews successful. Et c'est d'ailleurs ce qui a fait le succès de CNews. Dans ce cas-là, en fait, on a conçu... They designed a show specifically catered to Eric Zemmour's personality. It was called Face à l'Info, Facing the News where a host and several panelists comment on the news of the day. In truth, it could have been named Face à Zemmour. Vous avez une population qui est française, euh, euh, blanche, euh, chrétienne, euh, de culture gréco-romaine, et à la place, 40 ans plus tard, vous avez une population qui est maghrébine, africaine, euh, pour la plupart musulmane. Si vous voulez, ça s'appelle un remplacement. Someone else was hosting it, so no one could say it was Zemmour's show. But in reality, he was the main attraction, and the show was based around the topics that he decided. With Zemmour on board, CNews' ratings took off. By 2020, the channel was challenging its commercial rival, BFM TV, for pole position among France's news networks. But as CNews created more and more controversy, the broadcast regulator, the CSA, began to take notice. In March last year, it issued its first ever fine to a 24-hour news channel. Zemmour had called migrant children thieves, rapists and murderers. An on-air rant that cost CNews 200,000 euros. As France's election season began, and with Zemmour sounding more and more like a candidate, the regulator decided to treat him like one under French law. In September, the CSA, headquartered here in Paris, forced CNews to drop Zemmour as a paid-up pundit. However, since then, the channel seems to have doubled down on its far-right formula, with Zemmour or without him. CNews recently played host to the far-right author Renaud Camus, inviting him to explain his influential conspiracy theory, known as the Great Replacement. It claims that immigrants and their descendants, who make up less than 10% of France's population, are on track to replace its white Europeans. The theory is a central theme for Zemmour, despite his Jewish Algerian heritage. The channel has also been giving Zemmour plenty of airtime as a guest. Like this exchange with a French woman of North African descent and a CNews reporter. Madame, 
que je suis, non pas le couloir que je porte, je le... juste la Alors enlevez-le si ce couloir n'a pas d'importance. Mais enlevez votre cravate à ce moment-là. Mais je l'enlève quand vous voulez. Mais moi aussi je Mais la cravate n'est pas un air, c'est pas Moi en voyant cette scène... I have to say, I was stunned when I saw the clip. I'd never seen something like that on French television. It felt like something new was happening. Allez-y, madame. Le couloir, c'est la foi, c'est ce qu'on porte en nous. Non, non, c'est l'injonction religieuse. Ce n'est pas la foi, madame. Est-ce que vous enlevez votre foulard, madame En islam, j'attends toujours que vous enleviez mon foulard. Allez-y, je vous en prie. The scene didn't really make sense to me, and it turns out there was an element of theater to it. It seems that this woman wasn't there by chance. She lives 40 kilometers away, and the production team brought her there. La production l'a fait venir pour qu'elle se trouve là. Mais je décide. They really crossed a line because this is not just about one woman removing her hijab out of her own accord. We know full well that there are lots of kind of Islamophobic attacks in France already. Uh, and, and lots of women are being, are being attacked for wearing the hijab. And now you see a potential presidential candidate who is polling very well, supported by a TV channel uh, doing this as well. CNews and its parent company, Canal Plus, declined our request for an interview. However, Zemmour's appeal is not the work of one channel or even the French media alone. Far-right ideas have flourished as citizens have grown disillusioned with mainstream parties and their failure to grapple with issues ranging from unemployment to terrorism. That helped the far-right politician Marine Le Pen reach the second round of the last presidential election in 2017. But the media also played a role, hyping her rise and boosting her visibility. With Zemmour, it looks like déjà vu, only thanks to see news with an even bigger platform. Today, if you watch French TV and you are Muslim, black, you wear a hijab, you are a woman or homosexual, it is extremely violent because we are being constantly insulted by people like Eric Zemmour and others without anyone telling them that what they do is consistently hurtful. And I think these debates create a state of tension in French society and tensions are the source of violence. And that's why he, he said uh, you know, that, that journalists are his best friend because they create a buzz around him. And while we talk about Zemmour, we don't talk about unemployment. While we talk about Zemmour, we don't talk about inequalities. While we talk about Zemmour, we don't talk about climate change. And that's, I think, a big, big issue here because, of course, we should talk about Zemmour, but we can't be absorbed by his ideas either. And the problem in France at the moment, if you ask anyone about what's happening in the campaign, it's Zemmour. Finally, it's February, which in some parts of the world is just fine. If you live in Rio, Cape Town, or Sydney, the sun is probably shining on you. It's a different story in the Northern Hemisphere, where winter is either still at its coldest or it's fading but simply refuses to go away. It is a bleak time of year. Take a city like St. Louis, Missouri, where it's not even cold enough to ski or skate. They pay the price for winter with none of the benefits. The following video, shot by a grumpy local radio reporter, is about February. Kevin Colleen actually recorded this back in 2016, but it's resurfaced online hitting home with some apparently depressed audiences, as it probably will again, same time next year. We've added some music to the video. It needed a little life. We'll see you next time here at The Listening Post. February is the worst month of the year, but it's an honest month. It's a month that doesn't hold up life any better than it really is. I mean, look around here. 
these buildings, they, they look like they don't even have any lights in them during a work day. And uh, something great happened here, but it's over with. And that's the way February is. You can see it in the way people walk and how they look. Let's, let's go just check out February. Look around downtown on a February workday. This looks like a place where people who are being punished are sent. If you notice the way people cross the street in February, it's different than in the summer. Nobody is tap dancing or breaking into a Rodgers and Hammerstein song. It's their lunch hour and they're just barely able to get across the street and hunker over a bowl of chili. Carbohydrates are big this time of year. Also, lotions because everybody is itchy and tired and irritable. Even the land is tired in February. Most of the birds who can afford it have gone to Florida. And the, the trees that once cheered us, they're hard to look at this month. It's as if there is some awful truth out there in the trees. It's hiding in the branches. Look at them. That's February for you. It is bleak, it is honest, and it just tells you the way it really is. My father used to have a saying that if you can live through February, you'll live another year.